0: Right, guys welcome back to another episode of the live loud life podcast uh i am with nicole Shrimp. she is a pediatric physical therapist uh we just wanted to have a conversation and chat around what really what you know, pediatric PT could look like uh, some of the uh, uh, common things to look for um, that might indicate or warrant you know a consult uh, or a conversation with a pediatric uh, physical therapist. She's uh, she's at Children's Hospital here in uh, Denver. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me for those of you who are local and want to have a conversation, but uh, I'll let you. Introduce yourself. Talk a little bit about, uh, um, you know, your history. What you, what drew you to pediatric uh, physical therapy, so on and so forth.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Um, so, as we talked about, I am pediatric physical therapist. So, I uh, completed my doctor of physical therapy at the University of Colorado. Um, And while I was there, I actually had my first clinical in pediatrics, um, really had no idea what this field was. I came into school thinking I was going to go into sports, um, during the first clinical, I literally fell in love with the population. Um, I have always had this motherly instinct and loved like babysitting and being with kids. And then once I found out PT and I get to be with, play with kids all day, I just, it was wonderful. I continued to explore different avenues throughout school. Um, however, kind of circled back to my last clinical, I went down to Texas Children's and was inpatient there. And it really just solidified that I wanted to work with pediatrics. Um, knowing that, I also knew how much more there was to learn. I was like, we only got so much when we were in school. Um, so I applied and was um, able to complete my pediatric residency um, after I graduated. So that just gave me so much more exposure and experience in all different settings. Um, It was a 13-month program that just finished last July. So I feel so fortunate um, to have continued my learning. And every day I just have more and more questions um, and love, literally love what I do.
0: That's amazing. So when, now, at least for me, and I think for most people, when they hear physical therapists, they usually think about, well, A, something hurts, and or post-surgical, right? So like I had surgery, I'm supposed to go to a physical therapist. So how would this, how would this conversation differ? And and obviously kids do get injured and unfortunately have to go through surgery and things where that would be applicable. But my understanding is your role is separate from those, correct?
1: Yeah, that is correct. So I, um, do a lot more with the developmental side and children, um, as a pediatric physical therapist, just broadly, we work with children and families. We want to assist the child in reaching their maximum potential um, in whatever capacity that is. The goal is that they can be active participants, like in their home, in their school, and in their community. So we want to make those everyday activities easier for kids. Um, this can range from a child who might not be hitting their milestones um, as the CDC puts them out there. We know that all kids have different trajectories in development, um, but sometimes some kids need a little bit more help to start rolling or walking um, along those lines, and that's more of that early intervention. Through the hospital now, I am in a more developmental role, so children that have longer-term care in the hospital, they can't leave for one reason or another. I am helping them with those opportunities, giving them more opportunities to work on their sitting and their rolling and all of those foundational moments and movements um, that we need later in life.
0: So uh, obviously, in a similar <laughs> field and and understanding this, but for for listeners, and we had uh on, I had a conversation uh, uh, via messenger with a pediatrician at one point when the CDC took out crawling mm-hmm. as a necessary developmental milestone. Uh, we're not going to get in, into the details of what the conversation was, but why, is, why are rolling, crawling, and these types of things foundational? Why are these important for the listeners or parents? You know, People are just like, oh, it's okay. They didn't crawl. They'll be okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, in a broad sense, um, we want kids to have opportunities. We want them to move and explore their environment. So whether it's them developing strength or improving their range of motion or crawling really helps develop those fine motor and all those arches of the hands and helps open up our hands in preparation for different activities. So all of those different areas, um, I really want a child to develop that symmetrical strength and range of motion. And we also need to be able to weight shift our body when we're little, which we don't think about, um, to move forward and back or side to side and be able to catch ourselves, which helps us start with that balance. Um, it's going to help develop core strength as we're moving in and out of you know our base of support. So where do we feel really stable? But are we able to go out and go get something and then come back without falling? All of those different pieces are going to be really important to start developing for children um, so that they can, when they're older, um, be able to do what they want and move around well.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's such a good explanation of it, because I mean, when you look at and, and I've heard multiple people say this in a number of different ways, but but rehab rehab. Mm-hmm. Tr- training whatever that might be is really just a an extension of training in general because when you're talking about adults it's really no different the more exposure you have to certain things makes you well-rounded and better able to handle situations
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's it that's exactly it that's pediatric pts that we play we do so much play with children we just are trying to give them opportunities to explore their environment um that they might not be either getting because they have an injury or, or we have to teach families to help them really learn how they are involved in their child and how we can make these activities um, functional and really fun. Um, but parents are really the driving force behind um, who we collaborate with.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, kids aren't going to do it on their own, right? <laughs> um, so when, when you're having, let's say, for instance, you're 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 at a barbecue, at a you're at you know whatever, whatever else, having a conversation with somebody, what are some of the things that you encourage people to to look out for that might indicate outside of a pediatrician saying, "Hey, it looks like we're behind on certain things," because with a lot of things, there's silent or subtle markers or indications that something might be going on. Where obviously the de- Better to intervene before it starts to develop into a, obviously a poor pattern.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, it's a broad question, but also not. So I think some different things, especially if we're thinking about a child and their development. So what does that zero to 12 months kind of look like when we're supposed to be able to roll and be on our belly and lift our head and sit, um, all of those as kind of progressing to help us walk and, and move, Um, so some things that, you know, we're looking for, we want a child to be when they're on their back, like kicking their arms and legs against gravity and like kicking them in a symmetrical pattern. So we have both arms and both legs are be able to move. Um, they're able to bend and straighten and bend and straighten. Um, that's not only showing there's the good range of motion, but it's also showing they have some strength. They're actually moving their body against gravity, which for them is a little bit heavier than it is, you know, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also you know thinking about um if a child is standing that they're able to stand and kind of move their body side to side versus are they only standing on their left leg like maybe they're not strong enough to move back and forth so um some other pretty common ones that we're hearing more about are our children just do they only turn their head to one side uh, is there a flatter spot on one side of their head so that's where, you know, there's some different indications of torticollis or plagiocephaly or, you know, those those more, um, I guess, like, is a child just only looking one way or are we able to have full range of motion in our neck um, to look both ways? So I think those are some of, of the big things that we're looking for. And some children just aren't as motivated to move as others. So is that a child and if it is like that might be their personality but how can we keep encouraging them to move and want to explore by giving them fun activities um or something that they really want to get to is a cause and effect toy really appropriate for them so they hit something that lights up and they're like oh my gosh i want to do that again <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, what's so interesting too. I mean, part of, the, a lot of this is just obviously general observation, right? Cause a kid is not going to be able to dictate and tell you if something's wrong or if they feel unbalanced or, or pain outside of crying. Um, but yet I think just overall perception and awareness for our own bodies is something that a lot of us lack. So I think just paying attention is such a big, important thing, not only to your own body, but also to, to the kids to see what, what seem what seems off uh, outside of you know um, more serious things? Why do some of these things occur? Like like a strength and balance outside of like a you know a, a significant neural
1: mm-hmm.
0: disorder, which would be obviously more prevalent or or I guess more uh, more prominent. 1st someone want mm-hmm. to see. How do these strength and balances occur in kids when you would think they're just like, well, they're just a kid. Shouldn't they just be naturally doing these things?
1: Yeah, that it can be a hard question. Um, it can be some, you know, sometimes kids are, His families need them to maybe be in a carrier more, or they're in a, they're Good in point. a more, or they're not exploring as much, or sometimes they might just, we might always hand them something on their left side, not even thinking about it, but we we're only handing on their left side, or sometimes when we, however, we lay them down, everything might always be on their right. So they might only be rolling to their right. So they're strengthening the, you know, some core muscles in our arms and neck muscles only in one direction. So sometimes it just might be things that we're not even thinking about, but when it was kind of back to what you were talking about in terms of observation. So much of what I do my first session is just watching a child move. So the power of observation of seeing how, what are their movement patterns? How are they moving? Do they have a variety of movements Um, or some things that we run into in the hospital? we only walk in on one side of the room, so if a child's head is always to one way, they might only be strengthening, moving as they roll to the you know left because that's where everyone is, that's where action is, um, which could be true at home with changing tables or um, cribs. They might just environmentally get exposure more on one side than the other.
0: That's such a good point because I have have this exact same conversation with individuals that have multiple monitors that, you know, it's, I have two monitors, but one's over here and they got a catch in their neck because they're doing, they only look right. They never look left and, or we just live in this world. We don't look out and around Mm -hmm. to create more exposure. Um, Do you... Now, obviously, being a pediatric physical therapist, do you see any adults? Do you intervene with adults? And my my curiosity with that is, and I'm not sure if you've heard, I'm sure you have, though, is DNS, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, a lot of that's based on developmental patterns where they use these principles to intervene even with adults and getting people back into developmental patterns to mm-hmm. fix issues. Do you find benefit in what you're doing With adults as well as exploring these developmental patterns.
1: That's a great point. So I don't. I ever since graduation, I've really been focused on so. Or I mean, pediatrics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have heard of it, um, but I don't feel um, like I can really speak to it right now because that's not where um, I am. I'd be shocked if I wouldn't see. if I wouldn't find it valuable for them, just because knowing what I know about kids. Um, so that's something that I, yeah, I do really have my niche right now. Most of the time, sometimes there are more adults with um, congenital or more pediatric diagnosis that I see throughout the hospital. But most of the time I'm working with children more on that developmental um, side. So working on those those early motor skills.
0: What's the... Uh, obviously, there could be with plagiocephaly and torticollis, like a fairly early intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kind of like the 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 I guess average range of of kids' ages that that you do see, or is it is it very broad and wide?
1: It's very broad and wide. I think the I most I guess if I had to pinpoint, it would be like zero to probably five. Right now is most of what I'm seeing um, at the hospital. Um, during my residency, I was, I spent time outpatient and did do some sports pediatrics. Um, I also was in the school district at Cherry Creek. So I worked with first and second graders. Um, so I have had that early experience. So from that zero to three year old, all the way up to 18, 19, 20, um, knowing that right now I'm back to the younger, um, age group.
0: Now, for adults, mm-hmm. when, and interestingly enough, sometimes when we're dealing with like a weakness issue, their body weight, as you had indicated for peds, which is different obviously based, based on the age, but their body weight is too much for them. Is there a time mm-hmm. where you're, you're using resistance training outside of their own body weight, i.e. Uh, different modalities or bands or something like that?
1: When I was in the sports, Um, kind of doing more ortho for, uh, one day a week for those nine months when I was in the residency, we definitely were using a lot of bands using different, um, probably very similar modalities that you would use on the chiropractic front. Um, Mm -hmm. but definitely, um, ankle sprains or low back pain or rehab from a sports injury, all those things that I think when you think about physical therapy, it kind of is where your mind tends to go.
0: Outside of that in your specialty of zero to five, it's pretty much just exploration, crawling, groundworks on and so forth.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of like giving these children opportunities and making it fun and exciting. Like it's a lot of play. Um, we want them to want to do the movements. Like it's, um, I will do some facilitation to help them get into certain positions, but we've found more and more research of just like, that cause and effect of them doing it, and we get yeah. really excited, or like they roll and we're like, Oh my gosh, it's amazing! or they roll and they get some reward on the other side, whether they see a book, they see mom, or you know what that looks like. So, a lot of it is just using the child and letting them explore their environment and and that reward of clapping, or you know, some of those things, so they get really excited.
0: Do you, is there any? I'm sure there is benefits, so I don't know if yeah. the question's asked correctly, but if you do intervene with it, but is there advantages to doing soft tissue work in any situation to help facilitate, i.e., you know, mm-hmm. some massage or vibration to activate something?
1: 100%. And I was just in a continuing education course over the weekend, um, looking at how breath really impacts... Um, the body's movement and core and thinking about, um, some of the children I work with have trachs and vents. So mm. they the top of their breathing, you know, is impacted because that they have that open hole. So what is, what can you do for rib mobilization or some soft tissue massage on the ribs to really help expand and, and improve breathing, which is also going to help in so many different ways.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. What are what, what are a few things just uh I mean obviously in our industry there's certain uh there's certain things that we want people to uh, i guess myths to bust if you will but not even myths to bust just like what are a few things that you think you would you're trying to get out that people that people should know about pediatric physical therapy
1: Yeah that's a great question I think the big thing that I want people to know is encourage your child to explore. Like it's okay to let them play on their own and be able to move around in their own environment. Um, and it's also okay if you have some questions on things that might not seem right for your child to ask your pediatrician and really use them as partnership. Um, if they're, you know, think everything's fine and you just still have a your like parent instinct that something's going on, reach out to a, a PT or, um, look into early intervention. If it's, if you're zero to three, um, years old, it's something that would be a, it's really great service for children with any sort of delay to receive services in their home. Um, so I would just, I would just say if something doesn't feel right, ask, um, whether it's, you know your chiropractor or another PT or your pediatrician, and if you don't get an answer, just continue to ask. How might
0: I mean? And this is this is such a funny question, I think, because yeah. <laughs> we we kind of get the same. For adults, it's harder because creativity, especially mm-hmm. in that type of setting, is is is, is harder to intentionally elicit. But but if, if play base is so important, what things do you tell your parents? Now, granted, you're seeing them in an the intervention s- status, if you will. Mm-hmm. But what things do you encourage people to do if play base is so important? How do you encourage parents to help their kids play more at home?
1: Yeah, I. So one thing is really just talking to parents. What is your routine at home? What does your day look like? And then how can we? put little pieces into their day that you don't really think about as therapy, but it's therapy. So say diaper changes is, is something, and we're really working on some strength. So we want parents after every diaper change to help the child bring their hands to their toes. So something, you know, you're already bringing yourself, the child, on their back. So we're really working on touching our knees or our toes um, in that position, or does the child love bubbles? Like Let's play bubbles down the hall and see if we can encourage them to crawl to the bubbles or to stand up to pop the bubbles, Um, putting little squigs on windows to have them stand there and just pull off the little squigs. It's really a ton of core strength and balance Mm -hmm. and reaching. Um, So there's a lot of different play-based activities that we can get really creative with um, and really seeing the big pieces, like how does it fit into their... Life in their routine. Um, I don't want to give parents a laundry list of homework. I want to give them some things that they are like, oh, yeah, we basically do that, but I can t- tweak it this way. And that's actually going to help their child, their individualized program of whatever that child needs um, to get stronger or more, whatever's like developing those skills.
0: And I think that's, I think you, that's such an important way of getting at it cuz we we say something very similar right it's it's like oftentimes what we're doing is no different than what you're already doing but the intention of how you're doing it mm-hmm. just changes slightly and that makes the world a difference
1: totally that's the i love that how you said that the intention yeah that's exactly it we're making it fun and enjoyable but they are just a little there might be a little different tweak um to really help us get that result that we're looking for or yeah. the child is going to start doing something just a little bit different and parents are like, Oh my gosh, this is wonderful. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think, I think that's all, I think that's amazing. Like to, to cause obviously there's, there's, a, a, a extenuating circumstances of more serious conditions that yeah. require a lot more, obviously one-on-one, but for, for the general type of public of having these things, most kids are doing fine with it because they have this natural exploration, but making mm-hmm. it fun and, mm-hmm. and and seeing the games can also highlight certain things. I mean, I know for our kids, we talk a lot about like they naturally like, oh, I'm going to pretend like I'm a dog and you're seeing yeah. how they crawl or do all these other things and you yeah. can really start to see discrepancy so on and so forth so um that's that's a lot of great information um yeah. I, I i honestly i i learned so much i don't have a lot of other follow-up questions i think this has been wonderful for uh to share and to give people an idea especially not to because i think there's a, a number of great pediatricians out there but i think a lot of times these in our world these movement-based things of what we yeah. find to be super important sometimes just yeah. get swept under the rug They'll yeah. grow they'll grow out of it is what we commonly hear, right? <laughs> uh but we you know, my thought is, well, maybe, but we might as well optimize them so that they can be interactive with their peers at school, yeah. at home.
1: Yeah, I think that's the big piece. We just want the child to participate with their family friends in school environments. And um, you're right, they might grow out of them, but they might not. And why not get evaluated by um you know, whatever setting that is, if it's, P- if it's a PT, like to have a PT, just do an evaluation and see where they are. Some other ones that we hear a lot of that they might grow out of is toe walking. Um, so we mm-hmm. definitely, that's one that I didn't bring up before, but something to be on the lookout for, um, so anything a child does all the time that they it's their only way of moving, um, W sitting is another one. So it's okay if we're, you know, going in and out of it or using it to transition. But if we mm-hmm. can't move outside of sitting, you know, in a W position, or we're only looking to our head to one direction, or we're only walking on those toes, it's kind of when we get siloed. Um, that that might, you know, something that we definitely want to look at. We want just kids to move. We want that variety. We want um, them to just do different things in different ways.
0: That's such a good, that's, that's a good point too. Cause I think, I think it's kind of hard to say sometimes like, well, what's normal. It's like, well, when you want, when you look at anybody walking, we all pretty much walk, the same way
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and when you see something else like well we kind of use general general common sense like that doesn't seem natural to how everyone else moves or walks same with crawling or scooting yeah They're like, well, they get around fine. Well, yeah, because they can like we're uh, the other example that we commonly use is like humans are very task oriented, Mm -hmm. goal driven. As you said, I want to do this because I get a reward. Mm -hmm. We're no different. If the task is to run a mile, you're going to figure out how to do it regardless of it's efficient or not.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's it. Some kids, there's so many different ways of crawling. If you like look on the internet or research, there's like, I mean, so many different ways. We would ideally like a child to hands and knees crawl because they're getting symmetry, they're getting uh, reciprocal movements, they're strengthening both sides. Um, Some of these other ways of crawling, the child is efficient, they're getting around, but it might only be strengthening one side or they might be putting one side of their body in a less optimal position. So we want, the reason they're doing that is they figured out how to move and get that reward, but we want them to let them keep going, but we also want to, strengthen and you know work on whatever other piece there is to that
0: yeah well i i appreciate the time this has been this has been extremely helpful for me as well uh and obviously good to always see like what are what are certain things that are coming up that are like hey it's always, that's a hard conversation too. Sometimes like this doesn't look normal, but it's just, it's, it's worth asking a few questions and knowing who to talk to. Uh, Is there, is there anything else that you would like to leave people with that has come to mind that maybe I didn't ask a question about?
1: I think that's it? I really, just to circle back, let your child explore, be able to, have fun and play um, inside, outside, all of those different areas, uh, and just trust your instinct. If you feel like you want to ask some questions, please do. How
0: can how can people reach out to you uh, if they want to work with you or or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I would love to hear from you with questions or anything. So I have an email address that I'll pass along um, that we can put in the sh- in the show notes. Um, uh, Nicole C. Shrimp, D-P-T at gmail.com. Um, It's a little bit of a handful, so we'll just put it in the show notes yeah. and have it be there.
0: Well, perfect. I really uh, want to appreciate you taking the time out uh, of busy day and and chatting with us and sharing your knowledge.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. One last piece that yes. I want to put in the show notes too. Um, if you if you have questions on milestones, um, oh, org, and the CDC has um, different avenues for milestone trackers and milestones.
0: And and then for early intervention, because this does come up every now and then, where would one reach out to or who should they who should they be researching or looking out to for those early intervention resources?
1: So early intervention is the federally mandated program. Um, so it's like support for an education for children, you know, with developmental delays in their families. So it's anyone from the zero to three, You can go on, um, and I think if you just type in early intervention, there's different um, community center boards. Um, So you want to reach out to your community center board or ask um, your pediatrician for a referral.
0: That's perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, pediatrician be a good resource. Early intervention. Yeah. 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 That'll come up. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, the time and chatting.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Of course.